right, hello and welcome to Between the Liars with Ryan for another episode of Bill Me, where I read the legislation so that you don't have to. And I actually have a special guest tonight. You know him, you love him, TJ Roberts. Welcome. Thank you for having me on, Ryan. Absolutely. So TJ's purpose uh, for these shows, as you should be aware, we don't actually interject opinions or thoughts on this. I give you some context. I might help explain things. And in that spirit, TJ is going to um, help interject some of his law school expertise. And uh, TJ, before we get anything, you got any disclaimers or anything you want to throw out there? Uh, Yes. So (laughs) I'm not a lawyer. None of this is legal advice. If you need legal advice, get an attorney that's licensed in your jurisdiction. Any opinions that I may inadvertently slip in do not represent any organization I'm affiliated with or any employer I may so happen to be employed by. All right. Not a lawyer, certainly not your lawyer. So, <laughs> and uh, you know, it should go without saying for myself as well. I'm not even in the law school track, so do not try to take any of my opinions. <laughs> uh, but all right, before we get into this, uh, we're going to be reading California AB two 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 three. AB is Assembly Bill, uh, which they've just titled Reproductive health. And before we get into that, remember that you can easily help this show by liking, subscribing, and setting your notifications to notify you when we get started. And also by following us on all of our social medias at Between the Liars. And TJ, you are at Real TJ Roberts, correct? Yes, that is my Twitter handle. Okay, we will tag everyone below. And that gets us to the top of YouTube's recommendations because we are just that important. (laughs) All right, so I want to start with some of the claims that this, um, that opponents to the California bill have leveled. And the big one here is they say that this law would allow a mother to neglect a child that has been born so that it dies if they wanted to. And there would be no consequences for up to 28 days after birth with no legal or civil consequences. And TJ is on to kind of help us um, piece together what the language of the bill says, what they've changed, and whether or not that might be feasible, because that has been fact-checked as false, but they didn't really give to me a convincing argument as to why the law couldn't be interpreted that way. So here's your summary, and then we will get right into the actual reading of the bill. This one's only nine pages, so. (laughs) All right, uh, so currently California law requires the coroner to register a fetal death after 20 weeks of gestation unless it is the result of a legal abortion. And a legal abortion is defined as one that is performed by a medical professional and also the fetus they would have to determine was not viable, but that is at the discretion of the medical professional. They basically attest to that. Also, if a physician was not in attendance at the delivery of the child, existing law requires the death to be handled as a death without medical attendance. And what that means is it would have to be determined as like a self-induced or criminal abortion, i.e. a not legal abortion. So what this bill would do is make it so that the coroner doesn't have to investigate or report a self-induced or criminal abortion. And what's more, if they want to investigate this, the coroner's statement would still be applied. They can still look into it. Uh, They're just not required to. But even if they do, the coroner's statement would be inadmissible to help prosecute the mother in such instances. Now, this bill would also apply to an unattended fetal death. The coroner would, again, not be required to handle that death without medical attendance. And this bill would prevent the mother from being subjected to either civil or criminal liability or in the other way deprived of their rights, like being arrested, for exercising what they have determined to be reproductive rights. Uh, CJ, do you want to do a quick hit on the difference between maybe the civil and the criminal prosecution that might take place in other states 
like the difference between um, that? Yeah, of course. So when you're talking criminal liability, typically your statutes that you're going to see being implicated by something along these lines would be a, an unmedicated abortion that in most states to my knowledge is a crime. Um, depending on how far along there may be a murder prosecution. I know there have been attempted murder prosecutions over similar things like this pretty close to where I'm at. Um, this is where you're facing prison time. This is where you're facing fines to the state. Civil would be a wrongful death action. Okay. Um, where you were the proximate cause of the death of another person due to your negligence, recklessness, or intentional conduct. Um, so that's generally where an injured party would sue, which in this case, it would with the fact that the mother is the one doing this, it would ha almost immediately have to be the father who would file a wrongful death suit as an administ administrator of the estate of the child. Um, so that would be for after the infant is born or after an adequate amount of time has come about. Um, we've had where if children are to the point of viability, there are states that have recognized the uh, ha that have recognized the right of expected mothers to file wrongful death lawsuits, especially in the medical malpractice uh, field. So there's a lot of directions where that could go, and it seems like based on the fact findings in the in the legislative digest here, it is a almost blanket bar to civil or criminal proceedings against an individual. Yeah who chooses to terminate a pregnancy or to engage in neglect that would cause a pregnancy to be terminated. And not even just to the mother. Um, it, it also, this bill notably also protects anyone assisting the mother in the abortion, which I don't think that they specify, but I would assume it would cover anyone, whether it be a doctor, nurse, physician, uh, maybe even a friend or like someone who's just near them, uh, whether it was self-induced or um, like... I don't know if a botched abortion would fall into that or not. But um, not only that, this bill also authorizes anyone whose rights have been violated, which would mean like um, the state interferes in any way with the woman being able to get the abortion or going after her. They can basically countersue. Um, they can bring a civil suit. And uh, once we get through this, I would love – don't let me forget, TJ. I would love to hear kind of the differences and what, what that might happen. So let's sure. – we're going to pull this up on the screen all right <laughs> and, and uh go ahead yeah i wanted to bring up another notice that thing i noticed on it was the fact that we are talking about like we're, we're talking about the assistance level on it um one of the canons of construction for statutory interpretation is that if a law is not if a law doesn't narrow itself by its own words, it's to be applied generally. So your interpretation is the correct interpretation. Okay, so basically as long as the law is not restricted in some way, it can mean whatever I want it to, essentially. Well, uh, like, so Maybe let's just put it this way. Homicide is the, is any action that causes the death of another person, right? right? Um, homicide includes negligent homicide. It includes self-defense. It includes it includes all times where the actions of another human being causes the death of another. Okay. Yep. Okay. So right. Um, so you could have a criminal homicide statute, 
In theory, it includes everything unless there is a common law tradition like self-defense or if there's an, a specific statutory exception. So suppose you don't have common law, right? Right. You state homicide is a felony in the first degree and homicide is defined as any action that causes the death of another, right? Yep. Unless it says something along the lines of nothing in this section shall be construed to create oh. a criminal cause of action against one acting in self-defense, right? It applies to any action that takes the life of another human being. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Right, that's, so, just the, that's just an example that comes up to the top of my head. So then it would seem that in this instance, those protections and the ability to bring a suit would apply to literally anyone because it doesn't limit anybody in their clause. From right and understanding. you have you you have the general principles for like bringing a suit you have to have standing it has to be right. a right claim can't be but yeah basically like if you meet all the common law standards that statute applies okay so then with that in mind let's go ahead and let's jump right into the text the boring part <laughs> you could turn off now if you want to or if you want to jump into it with us uh, welcome aboard so uh basically at the top i'm not going to read all of the numbers but basically they're getting into they are outlining that they're going to amend some things and they're going to change some things they're going to add some things in the text below as always very helpful they basically give us a track changes italicized in this case means that they've added and if it's struck through that means it's taken away for those of us who are watching on the live stream okay AB2223 as amended Wix Reproductive Health. This is the one that they are, this was already a standing and they're gonna go ahead and change this. Number one, existing law requires a county coroner to hold inquests, to inquire into and determine the circumstances, manner, and cause of violent, sudden, or unusual deaths, including deaths related to or following known or suspected self-induced or criminal abortion. Existing law requires a coroner to register a fetal death after 20 weeks of gestation unless it is in the result of a legal abortion. If a physician was not in attendance at the delivery of the fetus, existing law requires the fetal death to be handled as a death without medical attendance. Existing law requires the coroner to state on the certificate of fetal death, the time of fetal death, the direct causes of the fetal death, and the conditions, if any, that gave rise to these causes. Now that's what's in California law. This bill would delete the requirement that a coroner hold inquests for death related to or following known or suspected self-induced or criminal abortion, and would delete the requirement that an unattended fetal death be handled as a death without medical attendance. The bill would prohibit using the coroner's statements on the certificate of fetal death to establish, bring, or support a criminal prosecution or civil cause of damages against any person. Number two, existing law, the Reproductive Privacy Act, provides that every individual possesses a fundamental right of privacy with respect to their personal reproductive decisions. Existing law prohibits the state from interfering with a pregnant person's right to choose or obtain an abortion before the fetus is viable or when it is necessary to protect the life and health of the pregnant person. Under existing law, an abortion is unauthorized if either the person performing the abortion is not a healthcare provider that is authorized to perform an abortion or the fetus is viable. Existing law, the Tom Bain Civil Rights Act, authorizes an individual whose exercise or enjoyment of rights secured by the Constitution or laws of the United States or of rights secured by the Constitution or laws of this state has been interfered with or attempted to be interfered with to institute or prosecute in their own name and on their own behalf in action for damages as prescribed. This bill would prohibit a person from being subject to civil or criminal liability or otherwise deprived of their rights based on their actions or omissions 
with respect to their pregnancy or actual, potential, or alleged pregnancy outcome, or based solely on their actions to aid or assist a pregnant person who is exercising their reproductive rights. The bill would clarify that an abortion is unauthorized if performed by a person other than the pregnant person, and either the person performing the abortion is not a healthcare provider that is authorized to perform an abortion, or the fetus is viable. The bill would authorize a party aggrieved by a violation of the Reproductive Privacy Act to bring a civil action against an offending state actor, as specified, and would require a court upon a motion to award responsible attorney's fees, attorney's fees and costs to a prevailing plaintiff. The bill would also authorize a person aggrieved by a violation of the Reproductive Privacy Act to bring a civil action pursuant to the Tom Bain Civil Rights Act. The bill would provide for the identification of employees or former employees of public agencies who are acting within the scope of their employment. Vote majority appropriation. So I know, I know, oh, yep. I know exactly. Okay. Yep. I know where this is coming from. This is similar language to the Texas abortion law. Yep. Um, that essentially tried to confer standing upon just about everyone to initiate causes of action against abortion. Yep. Um, it, it's one of those really tricky procedural ones that, um, pretty much this this procedure is almost certain like the procedural aspect of this law is almost certainly going to be struck down in the Texas abortion lawsuit um, that's not to say okay. that Roe's here to stay not here to say Casey's here to stay draft opinion pretty much shows Roe and Casey are on the chopping block it's the procedural part there because it, it seems okay. to try to subvert standing um, the state actor part that but that's already existing law that that procedurally is fine, but it seems like they're trying to go for a private right of action against just about everyone. They're they're trying to replicate the Texas abortion law just in the other direction. But flip it so that literally anyone can assist and not be held liable, basically. Uh, basically, and like that, anyone attempting to stop it from happening can can be held liable. Oh, so if I try to interfere because I'm opposed to abortion, then I could also have that brought against me if I'm a state it's, actor. I could be wrong, but it seems like there. Mm. Yeah, it seems like it. Interesting. Okay. Hmm. Okay, so now we're getting into like the actual bill. And you know we're getting into the actual bill and no longer the summary because they do on the left here this line-by-line -line annotation. <laughs> all right, section one, the legislator finds and declares all of the following. A. Reproductive justice is a framework created by black women in 1994 to address the intersectional and multifactored issues that women of color and their families face in society. B. Reproductive justice is the human right to control our bodies, sexuality, gender, work, and reproduction. That right can only be achieved when all people, particularly women and girls, have the complete economic, social, and political power and resources to make healthy decisions about their bodies, families, and communities in all areas of their lives. At the core of the reproductive justice is the belief in the right to bodily autonomy, the right to have children, the right to not have children, and the right to parent the children we have with dignity and respect in safe and sustainable communities. C. A critical part of realizing reproductive justice for people in California is clarifying that there shall be no civil and criminal penalties for people's actual, potential, or alleged pregnancy outcomes. D. Across the country, people have been criminally prosecuted for having miscarriages or stillbirths or for self-managing an abortion. California has not been exempt. Despite clear law that ending or losing a pregnancy is not a crime, police have investigated and prosecutors have charged people with homicide for pregnancy losses. E. 
Although across the country, pregnant people are under the threat of civil penalties for their actual, potential, or alleged pregnancy outcomes, and civil penalties have been threatened against people who aid or assist pregnant people in exercising their rights. F. Pregnancies can end in a range of outcomes. Nationwide, as many as one in five known pregnancies ending miscarriage. In California, as many as 2,365 pregnancies per year end in stillbirth, meaning potential loss after 20 weeks gestation. Many pregnancy losses have no known explanation. People also need to end pregnancies by abortion, including self-managed abortion, which means ending one's own pregnancy outside of the medical system. Every Californian should have the right to feel secure that they can seek medical assistance during pregnancy without fear of civil or criminal liability. The threat of criminal prosecution of pregnancy outcomes is partially traceable to out-of-date provisions that give coroners a duty to investigate certain abortions and pregnancy losses. Based on these provisions, healthcare providers and institutions report people to law enforcement for pregnancy losses, leading to harmful investigations and even unlawful prosecutions. Civil and criminal penalties imposed on pregnant people is critical is a critical issue for black, indigenous, and other people of color who experience adverse pregnancy outcomes as a result of systemic racial inequities and are more likely to be under scrutiny of state systems like child welfare or immigration. The threat of criminal prosecutions or civil penalties on pregnant people throughout child welfare, immigration, housing, or other legal systems has a harmful effect on individual and public health. When a person fears state action being taken against them related to their pregnancy, they are less likely to seek medical care when they need it. If they do not seek care, punishing them for actual, potential, or alleged pregnancy outcomes interferes with professional care and endangers the relationship between providers and patients. That is why major medical groups like American Medical Association, the American College of Obstetricians and gynecologists and American Public Health Association oppose civil and criminal penalties for actual, potential, or alleged pregnancy outcomes. Section two. Okay. Yeah, so, go ahead. All of section one, that in statutory interpretation goes legislative fact findings. Okay. We're getting to a point as a country where all of section one is downright irrelevant. And I'm actually glad that's the case. Um, what do you mean by downright irrelevant? So let's put it this way. Um, have you read District of Columbia versus Heller? Nope. Okay. The grammatical structure of the Second Amendment is a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Yep. Right. Section like Section one of this statute is akin to a well-regulated militia being necessary to the preservation of a free people. It's just okay. fact-finding. It has no force of law whatsoever. It's basically laying These, down the groundwork for why they're about to bring what they're bringing. Right. Your your okay. former, like, your living constitutionalists tend in statutory interpretation to like legislative fact-finding as well. Um, funny enough, actually, this legislative fact-finding finding kind of hurts their case for what they're talking about here. Why? Um, and, like, Section G, where it talks about... I'm Section D, where it talks about... Uh, people being criminally prosecuted for having miscarriages or stillbirths or for self-managing an abortion, it misconstrues charges being pressed with actual convictions because the question isn't whether whether it should be illegal to have a miscarriage or illegal to lose the baby or have a stillbirth. The question was, did you actually have a miscarriage or stillbirth or did you induce that on your own? These prosecutions...
come out of questions of fact, not out of questions of law. No state in this country criminalizes actual stillbirths. No state in this country actually criminalizes miscarriages. Uh, any law that does anything like that would be struck down even under the lowest constitutional uh, constitutional lens. So it criminalizes innocent behavior. There are, I might be wrong. I've at least, I've heard of, of what they had mentioned that people are being that, that there are laws that criminalize this does that mean that that's wrong does that mean that that wouldn't be enforced or that it, constitutionally it just hasn't been challenged yet but would be struck down i i'd have i don't have i haven't done any i will say this much there is no enforceable law in this country okay. if they did None try to it. enforce it then it would probably immediately it, go through the supreme court challenging it, process it, it would be struck down so quickly if you could even get <laughs> okay. a jury to convict I like there was one in Ohio where the 17 year old girl, um, it's a dispute of fact, either miscarried or induced abortion on a viable child, buried it in the backyard. She was charged with murder one, murder two, reckless manslaughter and desecration of a corpse. She was she was acquitted of murder one, murder two and reckless manslaughter. She was she was convicted of 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 the desecration of a corpse. But anything about the killing of another human being was all thrown out. It wasn't about whether or not uh, whether or not her miscarriage was illegal. It was about whether or not she actually miscarried. Okay, so they're trying to distinguish because right, they're trying to carry. Yeah, one is one's an illegal a, abortion a, under the law. One is a miscarriage. So right. basically, it's, so the, it's like, the investig. They're making the argument then that there's an investigation because we don't know and they're just trying to eliminate that entirely there should be no investigation it doesn't matter right okay. and that's the thing it's like i actually don't like fact findings for that purpose because like a living or a living constitutionalist judge can look at that right there and in many ways can strike down the statute as irrational and arbitrary just on that ground alone of like this is so downright false that it's obvious political codification of bias that doesn't meet even rational basis and what you're looking at then is is basically the functional enforcement right because this is taking place in california which is a very blue state which is very much in favor of this thing then basically it we, we just wouldn't see a worry about it then is that why you think this will slide through <laughs> i like i think the legislature will slide it through decisively whether a court will is another question i don't know what california courts look like federal courts if there's a federal challenge to this i mean i, I don't know how that'll ha that'll really come out because like you have to find someone withstanding to actually challenge it right but i have a feeling it'll go the same way as the texas abortion law where there's gonna be a lot of procedural stuff and again like the fact-finding part of it our federal courts really don't care about it anymore that's just that was one thing i found interesting like <laughs> the only stuff that the only stuff that like your neil gorsuch's your amy coney barrett's your kavanaugh's your alito's and your thomas's really only care about they only really care about the parts that actually have force of law okay and all that stuff that was just political pandering that it's basically the preamble the, <laughs> yeah the, the bill sponsor is going to get a lot of donations out of that i can tell you that much. okay it, it's it's like the introduction to a book people usually skip over it they want to get to what it actually is it sounds like then yes pretty much okay well let's pick up in section two then uh section 27491 of the government code is amended to read the following 
and this is what it would read. It shall be the duty of the coroner to inquire into and determine the circumstances, manner, and cause of all violent, sudden, or unusual deaths, unattended deaths, deaths where the deceased has not been attended by either a physician or a registered nurse who is a member of a hospice care interdisciplinary team as defined by subdivision G of section 1746 of the health and safety code in the 20 days before death, known or suspected homicide, suicide, or accidental poisoning, deaths known or suspected as resulting in whole or in part from or relating to accident or injury, either old or recent, deaths due to drowning, fire, <laughs> hanging, gunshot, stabbing, cutting, exposure, starvation, acute alcoholism, drug addiction, strangulation, aspiration, <laughs> or where the suspected cause of death is sudden infant death syndrome, death in whole or in part occasioned by criminal means, deaths associated with a known or alleged rape, deaths in prison or while under sentence, deaths known or suspected as due to contagious disease and constituting a public hazard, deaths from occupational disease or occupational hazards, deaths of patients in state hospitals serving the mentally disordered and operated by the State Department of State Hospitals, deaths of patients in state hospitals serving the departmentally disabled and operated by the State Department of Developmental Services, deaths under circumstances that afford a reasonable ground to suspect that the death was caused by the criminal act of another, and any deaths reported by physicians or other persons having knowledge of death from inquiry by coroner. Inquiry pursuit to this section does not include those investigative functions usually performed by other law enforcement agencies. TJ, that was a lot of very specific ways people can die. And it basically says any any way that a child, or I'm assuming that the pregnancy is terminated, it doesn't matter. Is that basically what this is highlighting? This part actually I don't think applies to abortion or or to infanticide at all. Um, I think that this is only included in here because of the change of rape or crime against nature to rape. Okay. Yeah, and if you're um, if you're for those who are just listening to this, that is the only thing that was struck out and, and changed. It just says rape. Yeah. Right. That's the only thing. Like, uh, this is just outlining what are the duties generally for a coroner where they must investigate. So they just wanted to update that because uh, I know exactly it was I, I can, crimes against nature. Yeah, I can tell you what the political motivation behind that is. It was a goal sure. for them to like, uh, if if I like to be crass, what it is is them prohibiting investigating deaths that occur during um, non-traditional sexual intercourse. Okay sodomy which would have been um, classified previously as a crime against nature and, and that's the thing is like crime against nature is actually a pretty broad term and that i actually personally don't like i actually don't mind this reform honestly like it, it it updates the language at least then yeah right i don't necessarily have much of a problem with that part okay modernizing so okay uh if the coroner conducts an inquiry pursuant to this section the coroner or deputy shall personally sign the certificate of death. If the death occurred in a state hospital, the coroner shall forward a copy of the report to the state agency responsible for the state hospital. The coroner shall have discretion to determine the extent of inquiry to be made into any death occurring under natural circumstances and failing within the provisions of this section. And if inquiry determines that the physician of record has sufficient knowledge to reasonably state the cause of a death occurring under natural circumstances, the coroner may authorize that physician to sign the certificate of death. C. 
For the purpose of inquiry, the coroner shall have the right to exhume the body of a deceased person when necessary to discharge the responsibilities set forth in this section. A funeral director, physician, or other person who has charge of a deceased person's body when death occurred as a result of any of the causes or circumstances described in this section shall immediately notify the coroner. A person who does not notify the coroner as required by this section is guilty of a misdemeanor. Section 3. Section... 103,000. <laughs> Did you do some <laughs> mental gymnastics there? Of the Health and Safety Code is repealed. Interesting. Section 4. Section 103,005 of the Health and Safety Code is amended to read coroner shall, and this is what it's going to read, the coroner shall within three days after examination of the fetus state on the certificate of fetal death, the time of fetal death, the direct causes of the fetal death, the conditions, if any, that gave rise to these causes, and other medical and health section data as may be required on the certificate, and shall sign the certificate in attest to these facts. The coroner shall, within three days of examining the body, deliver the death certificate to the attending funeral director. This section shall not be used to establish, bring, or support a criminal prosecution or civil cause of action seeking damages against any person, whether or not they were the person who was pregnant with the fetus. Through its courts and statutes and under its constitution, California protects the right to reproductive privacy, and it is the intent of the legislator to reaffirm these protections. Section 5. Can I? Yeah, please. Go ahead. Yep. Okay. So I just looked into section 103,000. Here's what section 103,000 says, and I will read it off verbatim. Yep. All other fetal deaths required to be registered under this chapter shall be handled as are deaths without medical assistance. So it's saying it's not this, treated as an abortion. Is that what they mean by medical what assistance? That, no. What 103,000 was, was it saying that a fetal death, like viable fetus that um, would have to be investigated if any of the things in section two of this statute were mentioned the fire, hanging, gunshot, stabbing, or whatnot. Yep. This straight up just, I mean, what that just did was it nuked the humanity of, of, and of a child at any stage of pregnancy. Okay. So it's no, it's no longer going, usually because post viability, like when they, when they've crossed the viability stage. It has to be investigated previously. Now they're just saying it doesn't matter. It will no longer be required that it be investigated. Right. I mean, okay. beyond the vibe. Like, so let me give you an example here. You know, like one of the things that pro-life activists will say is if you kill a pregnant woman, you're charged with double murder. So right. why isn't an abortionist charged with murder? Unless there is a section in the future of the statute that says otherwise, that statute just makes it to where a man who kills a pregnant woman is only guilty of one murder. And is that regardless of whether or not the woman wanted the child? Yep. Okay. And like, let's suppose the man shoots the woman, the baby dies, the woman lives. The coroner does not have to have to do any investigation into the death. Okay. Because so it, ju it, it just, just be, it just, right. It, it this could be as low as just like an attempted murder charge then. Yeah. Well, I mean like, yeah. So like, or because like, let me say, like, yeah. Or here's another example: um, an arsonist burns down someone's house. Woman yep. lives, baby dies. Um, baby's death does not have to be investigated by a coroner. Okay. So every single like, what this just essentially just did was it made where 
if a fetus dies whatsoever in under any circumstances, there ha there's no need for an investigation. Okay. Keep that pinned then because I want to know as we close this out because we are getting to the end here um, of okay. the actual reading. Let's revisit that and see if it's actually going to make an exception or not because I'm going to be curious how this actually plays out now. Okay. Okay, section five, section one, two, three, four, six, two of the health and safety code is amended to read the following. The legislator finds and declares that every individual possesses a fundamental right of privacy with respect to personal reproductive decisions, which entails the right to make and effectuate decisions about all matters relating to pregnancy, including prenatal care, childbirth, postpartum care, contraception, sterilization, abortion care, miscarriage management, and infertility care. Accordingly, it is the public policy of the state of California that A, every individual has the fundamental right to choose or refuse birth control. B, every individual has the fundamental right to choose to bear a child or to choose to have and to obtain an abortion, except as specifically limited by this article. I'm not seeing a whole lot of limitations, I'm going to be honest. C, the state shall not deny or interfere with an individual's fundamental right to choose to bear a child or to choose to have and, ob and to obtain an abortion, except as specifically permitted by this article. Section 6. Section 123466 of the Health and Safety Code is amended to read, The state shall not deny or interfere with a pregnant person's right to choose or obtain an abortion prior to viability of the fetus or when the abortion is necessary to protect the life or health of the pregnant person. Section 7. Section 123467 is added to the Health and Safety Code to read, A. Notwithstanding any other law, a person shall not be subject to civil or criminal liability or penalty or otherwise deprived of their rights under this article, based on their actions or omissions with respect to their pregnancy or actual potential or alleged pregnancy outcome, individual, uh, including miscarriage, stillbirth, or abortion, or perinatal death due to a pregnancy-related cause. Now, this is probably important for me to note for those who can't see its audio-only version. Previously, the bill said perinatal death. Now it says perinatal death due to a pregnancy-related cause. Uh, TJ, does that change your previous thoughts as to whether or not someone might be held nope responsible if 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 anything this makes it even further on this like so what what would be what do you think is the reason then to change it from just perinatal death which depending on how they define it can be up to a month after the child's born versus death due to a pregnancy related cause as they as they now have it worded I mean, you engage in a okay you are 38 weeks pregnant. The federal law currently bans partial birth abortions. Okay. Um, basically, it's the evacuate and euthanize. Uh, I'm putting it in the most um, non-brutal terms I can put it in. Um, the way that this one works, though, is it's essentially saying that if you attempt to do an abortion at a point where the fetus is viable, that abortion fails, but the baby dies later because of it. Or because you give birth and you just refuse to take care of it after you had tried that abortion. You're good. You can't be sued for civilly. You can't be charged criminally. 
arguably anything post birth is is pregnancy related. Okay. Because immediately after, so it's a very broad, all encompassing term essentially that says yeah. it was related to this. Therefore, your right to privacy and your right to not be questioned, sued, any of that remains intact. Because right. because okay. think think back to what I said. Mm. I'm. This is reading law. It's the one of the basic premises of of textualism. Words are to be interpreted broadly unless explicitly instructed to be interpreted in a narrow manner, okay. right? Related to pregnancy. Oh, I mean, just about everything after childbirth is related to pregnancy. Okay. And in, including the perinatal portion. Okay. That makes, brings context. Um, okay. So subsection B, a person who aids or assists a pregnant person in exercising their rights under this article shall not be subject to civil or criminal liability or penalty or otherwise be deprived of the rights based solely on their actions to aid or assist a pregnant person in exercising their rights under this article with the pregnant person's voluntary consent. Section 8. Section 123468 of the Health and Safety Code is amended to read the following. The performance of an abortion is unauthorized to perform by someone other than the pregnant person and if either of the following is true. A. The person performing the abortion is not a healthcare provider authorized to perform an abortion pursuant to Section 2253 of the Business and Professional Code. Or B. The abortion is performed in a viable fetus and both of the following are established. One, in the good faith medical judgment of the physician, the fetus was viable. And two, in the good faith medical judgment of the physician, continuance of the pregnancy posed no risk to the life or health of the pregnant person. So TJ, correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding of this specific section that we just read then is that let's, let's say, for instance, we are past viability. Viability is basically the physician can come to you and say... Yeah, it wasn't viable, but it's because I wanted a late-term abortion. Is is that basically what this is covering then? Is it would allow that because it's up to the discretion of the physician to determine if I was at risk or whether it it does. But it sounds like this is already current law, and it actually right, sounds that's to be what I was with with the Moloch worship we see at, in modern society. Um, Oh, there's that commentary I was mentioning. It's not reflective of my employers. Um, but so one, it says other like by someone other than the pregnant person. So this protects the pregnant person doing post viability abortions. Okay. In addition, it says this, like here are the standards. The fetus has to be viable. And if the fetus is viable, both of these have to be established. Good faith medical judgment of the physician. The fetus is viable. But then, in addition, in the good faith medical judgment of the physician, continuation of the pregnancy posed no risk to the life or health of the pregnant person. The life of the mother exception that was outlined in Roe Casey has been defined by courts to mean anything from financial yep. or mental health. Yep. So I could say I'm a depressed person and, and, you could and get an exception to, to late term. Yes. Okay. So this is why textually... It's still protecting that, and why? If you've read this and thought, "Huh," it, it, they're actually protected. Uh, there, there are fewer abortions that can take place. No, it's it's pretty much open season in California as long as they want it to, um, and this doesn't seem to be changing that. At least right. to be more and restrictive, anyway. It seems to be even looser. Right, and that's one thing with it is like. The, I, I read up on the articles like talk, claiming that the claims of this legalizing infanticide is misinformation. The reason why they're calling it misinformation is because they are not utilizing the textualist approach that courts are applying right. now. 
they're Even saying in her, go ahead sorry. Um, in, 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 yeah in in her supreme court nomination hearing elena kagan said we are all textualists now if you have a statute in federal court and in almost all state courts you are going to have textualist arguments and that is what's going to be relevant the fact finding the legislative history the legislative intent at least with how courts are currently doing whether that's the way it should be or not almost certainly is not going to be taken into consideration by the judge they are going to look at the words and they're going to look at what those words meant at the time that the legislation was passed you can't expect a judge to go in and be mind readers of the legislators who passed the bill uh, how far should we take it should we do it to the legislators who passed the bill should we read the minds of the legislative drafters who wrote it for the legislator what about the nonprofits that have the model legislation what, what about the activists who protested and rallied for the bill right i mean what about just the general public zeitgeist of what the public truly wanted do we really want judges to have that crystal ball right textualism constrains the judge to just go based off what the words say what they mean at the time it was written okay So section nine says that section one, two, three, four, six, nine is added to the health and safety code to read the following. A, a party aggrieved by conduct or regulation in violation of this article may bring a civil action against an offending state actor in a, and they struck out a lot of things. So bear with me in a, hold on. Oh, he was right in the middle uh, actor in a state superior court. B, whoever denies a right protected by this article or aids, incites, or conspires in that denial is liable for each and every offense for the actual damages suffered by any person denied that right. And in addition, all of the following. One, an amount to be determined by a jury or a court sitting without a jury for exemplary damages. That's up to them then, apparently. Okay. Uh, two, a civil penalty of $25,000 to be awarded to the person denied the right protected by this article. Three, Preventive relief, including permanent or temporary injunction, restraining order, or other order against the person or persons responsible for the conduct as the complaint deems necessary to ensure the full enjoyment of the rights described in this article. Four, upon a motion, a court shall award reasonable attorney's fees and costs, including expert witness fees and other litigation expenses, to a plaintiff who is a prevailing party in an action brought pursuant to this section. In awarding reasonable attorney's fees, the court shall consider the degree to which the relief obtained relates to the relief sought. In action, uh, so see, an action under subdivision B shall be commenced within three years of the alleged practice violation of this article. So it sounds then like all of that has to take place within three years. A party aggrieved by conduct or regulation in violation of this article may also bring a civil action pursuant to section 52.1 of the civil code. Notwithstanding section 821.6 of the government code, a civil action pursuit, uh, pursuant to section 52.1 of the civil code may be based upon instituting or prosecuting any judicial or administrative proceeding in violation of this article. Two, for purpose of establishing liability pursuant to this subdivision, the criminal investigation, arrest, or prosecution, or threat of investigation, arrest, or prosecution of a person with respect to their pregnancy or actual, potential, or alleged pregnancy outcomes constitutes threat, intimidation, or coercion pursuant to section 52.1 of the Civil Code. 
sections 825, 825.2, 825.4, and 825.6 of the government code providing for indemnification of an employee or former employee of a public entity apply to any cause of action. brought under this section against an employer, former employee of a public entity. Okay. And that, that is the end of this bill. So, uh, TJ, so we my got, prediction like, came true. Yes. Uh, my, my prediction came true. The part where I said that this is the California version of the Texas heartbeat bill. That section right there is ripped almost verbatim from the Texas law. So basically anyone with standing, which is very broad, can bring these actions against so for against any person. So for example, if if person A helps person B have an abortion, they would have enough standing that if someone interferes, they could bring that action against them. Yeah. So here's okay. the here's the procedural part right here. Okay. This is the Texas liability, the one that I'm reading from. Any person other than an officer or employee of a state or local government entity in this state may bring a civil action against any person who performs or induces an abortion in violation of the subchapter, knowingly engages in conduct, conduct that aids or abets the performance or inducement of an abortion, including paying for or reimbursing the cost of an abortion through insurance or the subchapter, intends to engage in the conduct as described by subdivision one or two. It, Essentially, you rip out the pro-life language, you insert the pro-choice language. It's the same cause of action. Okay. It is the same exact cause of action. So I, I almost feel like this inter this bill is introduced to troll people at this point. It is. Um, it, it let's see. It was this this last version that I'm reading was under review early April. Um, I think that it's passed the House and is in the Senate now. I I think. Um, but, but th that's, that's the age of this draft. That was the most recent one that they had. I'll link them below or in the podcast if you're listening audibly. Okay. So TJ, what do you think that this law means then for the claim that this law would allow for infanticide up to, let's say a month after the child is born Would the, would the mother be protected if they chose to neglect the child? Because it does say, Either their actions or um, like non-actions, they're protected. So non-action would include neglect, right? After the child is born perinatally? It would. Um, okay. And I can like – we're going to get flagged for disinformation by Biden's new <laughs> ministry of truth. But If so, we'll put it on our web page. <laughs> oh, yeah. But once again, it's not a matter of what the legislative intent is. It's what the words say and what the words mean at the time they were written. Okay. And this applies to inaction of perinatal, which typically at the time means right after birth. I mean, I like the Here, statute says what the statute says. Here's the dictionary and medical definition of perinatal. This is not my words. This is not TJ words. This is out there as the actual medical definition relating to the period shortly before and after birth from the 20th to 29th week of gestation all the way up to one to four weeks after birth. So conceivably, it will depend on how the law is actually enacted, how they interpret it, how they choose to prosecute or not. It seems to me that this language would be left up to the discretion of the courts. In that instance, 
TJ? What's the word? If it's if it's vague and broad, if it's, if it's like if words are to be applied generally, unless it is unless it is uh, unless it is textually narrowed. Okay. Which explain one more time, just so that I and the other listeners can wrap their minds around. You said that the fact check was not using the textual application. Yeah, I mean, plain and simple, they're they're looking at legislative intent and the so-called spirit of the law. Okay. More so than what th- than what the words actually say. But if you're right? going to actually they, prosecute someone, it has to be hung on the text of the law, not what they meant. If you want it, if you want a lawsuit to succeed, absolutely. Okay. In, in the current state of the courts, there's still impassioned academic debate about whether textualism is the right approach. Of sure. course, and yep. there's arguments on both sides. Kentucky still holds that legislative intent matters, but if you're doing a federal one, what matters is the words the, the okay. text matters the those mission statements where it's clearly just about abortion like i'd imagine that was the legislative intent of the bill was just to continue the moloch worship and just focus on the preborn stuff um but the words mentioned perinatal care and those words there's no narrowing of it to say that this is to be construed to stuff that happens during a pregnancy. So that while it might be an argument, it's probably not going to be a winning argument given the current state of the courts, which you said it was Kagan? Yeah, Kagan said we are all textualists now. Okay, which it used to be, if, correct me if I'm wrong, usually judges appointed by the conservatives tend to be more of the, the textualists. Now it sounds like, I mean, Kagan is is far more liberal um, at least yes. by who the uh, who, well, who appointed Kagan? Obama. That's okay. That's what I thought. I mean, Biden's recent Supreme Court nominee, in an amicus brief to the Supreme Court about the use of torture to get evidence, utilized originalist constitutionalist method and textualist statutory interpretation method. Okay. To argue. So that then, yeah, it, it does look like both sides then are more textualist now. Interesting. I didn't know that. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, they just come to different conclusions on what the statutes mean. But right. really, your courts, they don't care about these mission statements. They are going to look yeah. at the parts that actually have force of law, and they're going to apply that okay. and decide whether the law is valid or not. Interesting. Um, the cause of action part of it is dead on to the Texas one, which that procedural play, right. Texas has been able – to keep their abortion law alive for as long as they have purely because the Supreme Court has never seen a procedural play like it before. Okay. So there's, since there's no past precedent, there's not a high likelihood of success on the merits, which essentially nukes your ability to get a preliminary injunction, right? So they have to wait until the, per- until this is fully litigated for a permanent injunction. Okay. Right. The sort of error and the hubris of what California is doing here is that by the time this hits the courts, they will have seen that before at some point. And as a result, it's going to be pretty quick to note this procedural plays unconstitutional. I mean, I could have declined to read everything but the last paragraph. The cause of action itself is going to get it struck down as unconstitutional. And, but that that would again assume that someone challenges this in the state of California, right? Right. 
Yeah, someone okay. would have to someone with stand. So, like, if if someone sues a person who is trying to stop an abortion, they'd have standing okay. to remove it to federal court and argue that this violates whatever the case name is for the Texas abortion law. So you would have Texas versus California president um, then? No, no, it wouldn't be a state versus state thing. It would be um, Jane Roe is suing John Doe. Yep. Making a joke with Jane Roe. Yeah, I got Um, it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So Roe v. Doe. Um, What would happen would be the procedural method would be Doe removes to federal court because there's federal question at that point under the procedural grounds because assuming – this happens after the Supreme Court strikes down the Texas law, right? Notice how the Texas laws fall fallen to the wayside since the Mississippi. Yeah, law. okay. So then Texas will be challenged all the way to the top, then to say this is unconstitutional. But we're right by that. Right by then, Roe v. Do- like Roe v. Doe probably won't be filed until we have final judgment from the Supreme Court on whether the Texas abortion law is constitutional. Okay. Which it doesn't sound like they're willing to uphold that law. Yeah. Okay. I think. I- I'm sure they may have actually already struck it down. I don't know. It's been a while since I've looked into the. But Texas they struck law. it down on the grounds of Roe v. Wade, right? They said this encroaches too much on. No, mm. they struck it down on the procedural play, the private uh, cause of action. Oh. They tried. They they, tr- they tried to confer standing where there is none. Okay, and so you're saying that same concept here, because they've mimicked yes. the wording basically verbatim and just flipped a few things to mirror it, it would have the same shutdown. Interesting. Pretty much. Okay. Um, Big question that you had, like, does this legalize infanticide? I don't think that was the intention of the legislature, but but I think it does. Depending on how it's enforced. Let's just suppose it, let's just suppose that this is all a misinformation. It doesn't legalize infanticide. Right. By removing section 103,000 and making it to where um, there's no duty of coroners to investigate fetal deaths, it de facto does legalize it's, it's it. It's at their discretion. They can just be like, I don't want to. That's fine. And then it never gets reported. Right. If there's if there's no investigation, there's no evidence. If there's no evidence, there's no prosecution. Yep. And even if there was even if you had someone come forward, you probably wouldn't have a court that wants to pick it up or like, you know, or, or a prosecutor. Interesting. Right. And, I mean, and again, even if you do, like you you'd have to create a perfect storm for there to be a for there to be a for there to be a conviction in California, it's hard. I don't see that happening. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's it's already ridiculously hard right. to convict someone on, on something like this because once again, like there's good faith argument about whether it was a miscarriage, whether it was stillbirth, or whether it was an abortion. Okay. Right. So as a right. result, if you wind up with a very difficult procedural thing that you the the burden of proof is ridiculously high. And this makes it even higher. And from what I've heard about people who have either supported or brought this bill, their intention was, we do not want women who are struggling after a um, like a miscarriage to be subject to prosecution and being open to that. And that was, that was the stated intent of that. Now, how that plays out, we'll see. Um, and we're about out of time, but TJ, I think we're going to keep you on retainer, even though you're not a lawyer. Uh, but uh, as these cases continue to go, when we actually get a verdict and everything else um, on the Roe versus Wade and, and the states react, we're going to have to have you on to help break down some of these things. But uh, thank you so much for your time. Um, we appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right. Well, remember, you can find us on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, Twitch, and Google Podcasts. 
Follow us on our social medias to stay updated. Follow at Real TJ Roberts and at Between the Liars on all of our socials. And if you do enjoy this show, giving us a five-star review and explaining what you like about this means a lot to us. We greatly appreciate that and your time. And uh, we will catch you back here. We're trying to do every Tuesday a Bill Me segment. And every Saturday at noon central, you can catch us with the full crew for a debate. Bye for now.